It's episode 400 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast, and I'm chatting with Ian Morgan. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. Roadman, welcome back. It is episode 400 of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. What is it about these big round numbers that just sticks a massive smile on people's face? We got to episode 100 and I definitely didn't think we were going to get there. Episode 200, I thought no chance we're getting there. Episode 300, I was starting to think, you know what, there could be life in this old dog, this could be something that endures, and at episode 400 now, I am absolutely sure this is going to endure. I'm getting so much crack out of this podcast, it is literally my favourite thing to do at the moment. I love nothing more than dialing in to chat with one of these amazing guests, because they're totally shaping my, my worldview, I'm you know, such an avid reader, but when you're reading, it's a one-way conversation with the author. These podcasts, it's an immersive 360 conversation, and it's changing opinions and views that I've hold, held dear for a long, long time. And I hope it's starting to, if not give you all the answers, I hope it's starting to put you on a road where you're starting to ask the right questions. And with that being said, you're going to love today's interview. Today's interview is with an ultra runner called Ian Morgan. And I want to use Ian's story as a catalyst. If you're stuck somewhere in the, at this moment, in this, into this podcast, if you're stuck and you need change, there's a Winston Churchill quote that I reference in this, and I butchered it a little bit in the episode, so I'll clarify it now because I think it's such a fitting quote to sum up this episode. To each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they're figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered a chance to do a very special thing unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified, which that could have been, which that, that could have been their finest error. Mr. Winston Churchill. Ian Morgan was sitting on the couch. He was in his 40s. He was fat. He was depressed. He was eating chips. And he was just casting his mind back to, when was I happy? And he thought back fondly to a time when he was happy, back when he was a child, carefree running. And he made a resolve at that moment. It was that moment he had that figurative tap on the shoulder. And he said, no, this is my line in the sand. I will not retreat any further. My health does not retreat any further. My happiness does not retreat any further. This is my line in the sand. This is the hill I die on. From this moment forward, I march forward. And right then, in his suit and in a shit pair of runners, he went running. He went running for one mile, then he walked, then he went running again. And that started him on an amazing journey. And I'm so happy to be bringing you that journey today. And I really hope and I pray that it acts as motivation, whether you're stuck in that massive rut like Ian was, or whether you're just somebody who's procrastinating to get your session done today. I hope this acts as the motivation to get you up, get you out the door. Roadman, I welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast, Mr. Ian Morgan. Hey, thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Ian, there's a great quote I love, and it's uh, it's a Churchill one, and it's this idea of, I, I don't know the quote offhand, I should have probably written it down, but I didn't. But it's this idea of there comes in someone's lifetime a, a metaphorical tap on the shoulder when they're called to do something. I feel yeah. like I want this podcast to be that tap on the shoulder 
for our listeners. <laughs> I want them to be that wake up call. If they are sitting on their couch, drinking a beer, thinking there's more out there for me in this life that I'm on cruise yeah. control and I shouldn't be on cruise control. I want this podcast to be that metaphorical kick up the hole to say, get going. <laughs> so no pressure. Ah, thanks. Uh, I'm glad to know that you put it out there now and uh, there's high expectations. Ian, take me back to when you were in that slump. Uh, What did life look like before you became the Ian Morgan Instagram superstar that we all know now? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah, to be fair, it was a completely different life. and, and when you said um, uh, the uh, metaphorical tap on the shoulder um, in the intro, I, I would like, liken it more to a, a hit with a baseball bat uh, <laughs> in some ways uh, uh, in the back of the head. Because I think for me personally, I wouldn't have made those changes unless I'd have had something uh, really stressful or difficult happen. And, and there was a series of events. But anyway, back to your question. Um, yeah. Life before that was no activity at all. Um, you know, I played sport in high school, um, sort of into my early 20s, and then sort of gave it, well, sort of, I did give it away. I did do martial arts for a bit for because um, I liked the physicality of, of doing a sport. But I guess kids and business, um, you know, took over. And basically, I just kept making excuses to myself um, and got incredibly lazy. And I guess, you know, we're all guilty of it. We're we're busy. We're, you know, in today's society, a lot of us say we're uh, time poor. We don't have time to to do certain things. And the reality is for for most people, uh, certainly my age that I know, that don't make time to exercise, look after their health, uh, look after their diet, look after the stress and manage it in their lifestyle, end up using all the money that they've made uh, to pay for medical expenses and, and um, you know, get treatments for various uh, diseases that, that come about from the lifestyle that they've led. And I was exactly in the same boat. So, yeah, life before was like almost like the opposite, like a reverse of, of what I am now. Uh, certainly in regards to the activity side of things um, that's why i wanted to reach out and chat to you because you're just such a perfect fit for i know you're a runner and a majority of our listeners are cyclists but you're just such a perfect fit and a perfect role model and example for what the message is for our podcast we're really advocating using cycling as a tool to capture health happiness and longevity that's the tagline for the podcast and i'm trying to say to people you can't sacrifice your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, building career and chasing family because it, you're at best, the money you've accumulated, it's going to go to reducing some of the damage you've caused. But some of that damage is irreversible. Exactly, yeah. And uh, certainly, um, you know, in my own case with, with my heart issues, you know, I, I was lucky to catch it early. A lot of people don't have that opportunity. Uh, for example, uh, the uh, the... Uh, cricket player Shane Warne, Australian cricket player, he died of a heart attack, 52, at the weekend, I think, just gone. You know, uh, international sportsman, he had a lot of money, a lot of celebrity and fame, but he didn't take care of his health, so so I understood. Uh, drank and smoked a lot. Um, and, you know, just like that, you, 
Yeah, go on. Um, and that's not to say it won't happen if you're fit and healthy, but certainly, you know, the qual my quality of life now, being able to get up and go and do things and have the energy to do it. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends at, at my age that, that stayed in business are getting um, operations now on their knees, on their on their uh, hips. Uh, they've got multitudes of health issues. Um in regards to uh, you know uh, lifestyle choices, obesity issues, um, you know even friends my age I know have just recently had operations for cancer, and the doctors have said it's, it's directly related to to lifestyle. You know, drinking too much, eating too much. We can spend so much time making money, and then we can spend you know up to our, I don't know forties, fifties, whatever it is, uh, and then we spend the next thirty years uh, paying for medication to undo or to, to make, not undo to uh, mask all the damage that we've done in our 20s, 30s and 40s by not taking care of ourselves. So I would certainly say, um, you know, it's never too early to start. Like it, do it in your 20s and continue it. make it a habit. Yeah. And did you have you, you spoke about it wasn't a tap on the shoulder. It was more of like a baseball bat across the head. Was there alcoholics refer to it as like, uh, you know, uh, was it like the bottom of the glass or the the bottom of the mounds? Like, what's that darkest moment? What does that look like to to classify it as a baseball bat across the head? Yeah, um, you know, probably two moments. Uh, we had some, a series of earthquakes in New Zealand. Uh, I lost uh, the house I was living in. Uh, business suffered. Uh, we had some other properties at the time too. Uh, lost those. So, you know, there was all that I was in court for a few years fighting insurance companies and I was under so much stress and pressure. I was just dreadfully unhappy with and I started to look at my whole life and there was just a moment sitting on a couch drinking a beer and I thought, I'm just not not happy. I'm just not happy with me, not not my life, not not my I was getting going through a divorce at the time, not that, not not, you know, um, anything other than myself. It was more like a. I used to look so much in the outside world and, and react to situations and, you know, put out fires and do this and, and manage stress and onto the next deal. And then I actually realized there was no purpose in it. You know, it was empty for me and I wasn't happy with who I was or what I'd become, I guess. So it just hit me to, to say, you've got to get up off this couch right now and do something. That's it. There, there was like, it was like a compulsion to so strong that I had to do it. And I thought, when was I last happy? When was I last truly happy? And, you know, I mean, obviously the birth of my kids and all that stuff is, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I'm not taking away from any of that. But I thought when I was a kid and I, we used to live near some hills in the, on the edge of the city where we lived. And I used to just spend hours and hours in those hills, you know, after school, go running up in the hills and the weekends go in the hills and, and I thought, man, that's when I last felt like free, you know, um, free from, I don't know, the, the, the prison or the cage that I built myself with bills and, and deadlines and all the things. So um, I put down the beer and I said, go and run, go and do what that kid did. It just came over me to do that. I, I don't know why. It makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, from a, you know, logical point of view, it, it's not me. I, I was always a planning person. I, I work things through i you know um work with schedules charts deadlines and and all of a sudden something said just go run and, and you know, I did. I, i'm always fascinated with listening to great transformation stories like this one because the physical transformation is powerful but it's 
almost like I'm fascinated with the story arc and in any story we have two journeys we the hero goes on the outward journey like to get the girl but it's actually the inward journey of who he becomes in the process of getting the girl that's often the more interesting one so for guys like you with these crazy transformational stories yes it's the you know it's the six pack it's the Instagram photo of you running across the top of the mountains with the shirt off is so cool but it's like you've gone on an internal change as well where you've moved away from the pursuit of material possessions and external gratification into someone who's more inwardly or intrinsically motivated by life yeah for sure uh that's actually true the the internal journey is is it uh you know instagram is such a visual tool uh for social media well i guess you know almost all of them are but um uh in, in regards to you know like uh, tiktok and facebook um and um, we see these transformation things, you know, and I was never really into those until my, my uh, wife, now friend, she, um, she encouraged me to sort of show that side of it. Um, because for me, it was really just a, a, a process that, that happened. It wasn't something I, I set out to do to go from this to this, that was almost the byproduct of wanting to enjoy running more. Well, well it wasn't almost, it was a byproduct of wanting to enjoy the uh, the feeling I got from movement and activity more, so the weight just came off, is a product of pursuing that goal. So yeah, um, you know, it is that inward journey that really does count the most. And and I could, you know, people always ask, what do you eat each day? What's your strength training regime? What's your your schedule look like for that? Because I want to follow it exactly. <laughs> and my point would always be, you never, never. First of all, we're all theologically. You know, we're similar, but we're different. We all react to different stimulus, diets, lifestyles, etc. Um, secondly, it's not about that. You know, everyone wants the how-to instead of the why. What's their purpose? What's their reason for doing it? And I think when you find that reason, um, you, you've got it nailed. Because if you have that purpose, the reason to change, your why to change, and, and the purpose to pursue it, then all the other stuff's going to get answered. You'll find the hows, how to, what to eat, you know, your diet, how to exercise, how to train, how to sleep, how to recover. All those things come from having the purpose. But without the purpose, there's really not that uh, intrinsic um, drive or passion to go out and do what you need to do. So if you were mentoring a listener to this podcast right now and they're stuck in a rut, they are stuck where you were. Is that where you would start off with defining their, why am I doing this? Or would you start off with well, getting know, them in motion? Yeah, get in motion. Like, to be honest, not everyone's going to be lucky and find their why uh, straight away. It, it's sometimes, well, and for me, it's it's a journey of discovery. It's a process. You know, we, what, what I uh, had in my head those uh, years ago, several years ago, is, is obviously... Uh, grow and change developed uh, and and i have too um so you know um i think if everyone's looking for that reason um they might not find it straight away certainly getting up off your ass and like moving is, is a good place to start um and when that could just be walking you know three to four times a week uh two to three kilometers i don't know um something like that just just to get uh, develop that habit you know to take a few months to do that first but certainly um you know uh 
having it, the passion or the purpose is the reason I changed. You don't have to have that straight away, but um, wow. Um, you know, and it's hard to define because I, I speak to pre people I meet in this sport and other sports and everyone's reason is different, but I, the ones that don't seem to stick with it are the ones that say, I want to do it to lose weight so I can look good on Instagram. You know, um, I, I don't think there's a lot of like ones that uh, are quite superficial. I, I think by taking the, the steps and starting to get active, you're going to find um, maybe a, a purpose. And, and it might not be running. It, it, you might become a swimmer. You might become a surfer, a cyclist, a boxer. I don't know become a dancer whatever it is it doesn't really matter but just get up and get moving and i i'm a big believer in something that you seem to have discovered and again because i've only seen the instagram snapshots it looks like you discovered it quite quickly when the reality is probably very different that you're going to tell me i'm a i'm a believer and i always push people to explore the edges because the edges on those boundaries is where we figure out where the limits are. Until we start exploring exactly. the edges, we're not really sure where the edge is. And that takes work. That takes, you know, doing an event that that's, looks daunting and going, actually, I got through that. The edge is further away than I thought it was. And you seem to have taken on, you know, starting off in Martins and onto ultra endurance. Was this a process or was this something you just said, you know, shoot for the stars? Yeah, shoot for the stars. For me, uh, I'm always I'm more of an all or nothing kind of guy. Uh, so you know <laughs> that, that could get you into uh, I mean, trouble. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. And and uh, to say that in all seriousness, you know, I wouldn't recommend people to like say, "Well, I'm going to do this," you know, really dangerous uh, mountain ultra with very little support and activity. With you know, if they haven't even run like five k, uh, you know, obviously there's there's you have to take into consideration uh, safety issues and, and some various other factors. Uh, build that experience, of course. But yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, I got invited to a desert race, for example, 270K stage race through the desert. I'd never run the desert. I'd never run 270Ks uh, over four consecutive days. So, um, you know, was I capable of doing it at, at the time? I didn't know. Uh, it was more than I'd challenged myself to do. But I just said yes. And then I uh, sort of like reverse engineered backwards to where I was. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn to get ready for this? And obviously, having a coach, having other people you can ask for advice um, and, um, you know, adapting your, your training and diet and whatever to get ready for that um, helps. But, yeah, I, I think, you you know, people are scared to go all in on something. Uh, and because I think they're scared to fail and there's nothing wrong with getting it wrong and failing. But to, for me, yeah, I, I would prefer to just go all in, give it a go and learn from the experience rather than be ready for the experience. Because in this world of sport, well, and, and most things in life, you're never a hundred percent ready. Nothing's guaranteed. And, uh, or you have the, a good job and you had everything like sorted. And then we had a global pandemic that no one saw coming. No one was ready for, it's, it's turned a lot of people's worlds upside down. So, you know, you're never going to be 100% ready. Just get up, get moving, go, give it a go. Yeah, I was only reading this morning uh, on that topic. And like apparently Tolstoy still had revisions that he wanted to put forward for his book, War and Peace. And Michelangelo still had some amendments he wanted to make to the roof of the Sistine Chapel. So it just shows <laughs> yeah. you no matter how much work you put in, you will never exactly. feel like it's ready to go. 
But I look at stories like yours, like Rich Roll's story, when he had, you know, this uh, like sharp, I'm going to change my life moment, or Dean Carnass has a famous one, he's in the bar at 30. I often, exactly. I often wonder, is there another thousand guys out there with the same story who went out running that night, but just got chronic injuries and never wrote the book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, look, there's probably, you know, like for everyone that makes it, there's a, there's 99 that just uh, <laughs> goes, this is just too hard. They're, um, they're like a recipe for injury, these stories, like going running in a, after a night in the bar and on the couch <laughs> drinking <laughs> beers in your suit and deciding to go for a run. Look, you know, like obviously uh, on Instagram that, you know, you, you see a certain aspect of it. I mean, if I could show you the first year of my running life, I, I think I was in the, the doctors and the physios <laughs> with, you know, with so many issues. Uh, more, but, um, you know, and, and that's the reality of it. If, if you're starting into exercise and, and most of us know when we all uh, people that begin in um, in some kind of sport do too much too soon and, and that's why they get injured it, it's you know it's, it's common knowledge uh and that's i was guilty of it super guilty of it and and i still get things wrong i still have time out i i broke this um uh, uh shoulder last year falling in a race in a trail race fractured it i then went on to run another race not long afterwards and i, I paid the price i couldn't do strength training for about uh, two to three months uh, until and i had to have some work done on it um, recently I fell on the, actually just come for a walk, um, and, and um, twisted my back a bit and, and, uh, knocked my glute around a bit. Um, and you know, I've had to take a bit of time off running because of that. Um, you know, there's no fairy tale where, where you just like go through a year and everything's perfect and you just, you know, um, you still have problems. You still have a lot of stuff to deal with. So yeah, I mean, there's always going to be guys at the start that are going to get injured. Um, I, I would suggest in regards to that, start slow and start small. You're better to be consistent than you are to try and do too much too soon. Like like I said, walking, you know, basic strength training, some mobility work, some cycling, some elliptical um, stuff that's not really going to put a huge load on your body to start with. That's probably... The key to, to success is consistency in, in most sports. Um, it's not, you know, massive amounts of effort over short periods of time. It's, it's steadily building, building that resilience, building that strength. And once you have that and you've built that base, that's something that even if you do have, have some kind of accident or injury or issue, you can usually come back to that place relatively quickly after you've recovered. So I would certainly recommend start slow and be consistent rather than uh, go all out you know when you're saying you're out walking and you say you have a trip or a fall and now you're injured and now you don't have the same training regime and schedule that you're you had planned how do you stop yourself reverting back to your old habits to going back to being on the couch drinking beer and feeling hopeless i i think it's been so long now that i i just just not part of my dna anymore you know um you you create habits um i think uh, i mean you know there's different studies out about it that, that say it's anywhere between like 30 days to, to break an old habit and uh, form a new one but i would say anywhere between sort of like a, a month and three months um and and it's discipline it's 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 basic you know we talk so much about motivation and inspiration and all this sort of stuff and it's i know it's part of social media too we 
we see it in our daily lives, we see it on like YouTube videos, etc. But really, it comes down down to those those basics: uh, uh, discipline and consistency. Discipline. No, I don't want to have that beer. No, I'm not going to put it. Don't buy it. Don't put it in the fridge. Uh, it's not there. You're not going to have it. Uh, get used to drinking water uh, or tea or coffee or, or something else. You know. Uh, once you create it and do it enough, then I, I haven't had the temptation to go back to it. It's just like fallen away. It's it's not part of my lifestyle now. I guess. So. Um, yeah, it's like even when I have downtime, I, I don't like eat a lot more. I, I pretty much stick to the a similar eating uh, regime. Obviously, if I'm using less calories, I'll cut it back. Um, maybe increase some stuff on uh, like low impact stuff, swimming, walking, elliptical. But I don't, um, I don't sort of like sit down and order a pizza and you know uh, watch a Netflix marathon on TV just uh, because I can't go out and train. Um, lots of other things you can be doing so yeah for me it's for me it's become so much ingrained in my lifestyle uh, that that i just don't really think of uh doesn't sort of come into into play you know doesn't come into to the picture of what i'm doing with my life now i heard a story uh it's a, a short story but i think it's really it's a really powerful story there's i'm not sure if it's a real one or a fictitious one but the moral still holds true so there's an 18 year old kid and she's in freshers uh the freshers line in university like as you're basically registering for a university and she's registering for her seven-year medical degree and in the line right behind her she gets chatting to a man who's 70 years old and she gets talking to him says like you know what are you registering for and he said i'm registering for medicine and she's like you know i don't want to be rude but you're 70 years old this is a seven-year degree you're not going to graduate until you're 77 years old and uh, the old man just said to her, in seven years time, I'm going to be 77, whether I pursue my dream or whether I don't pursue my dream. I feel like you're someone who hasn't let age define what you can and can't do. You know, you didn't get started until 40. And, you know, the advice that, you know, the quote unquote sensible people will tell you is 40 is time to start winding down. It's time to yeah. it's time to start thinking about, you know, a comfortable life. It's time to, you know, even you're living nomadic at the moment. There's nothing about what you're doing that's comfortable or orthodox. How have you no, how have you figured out how to, you know, step outside the confines of what society says we can and can't do based on your age? Well, you know, it it really comes back to like um keeping it in the moment. Um I don't know whether you call it uh combination of things like mindfulness keeping it in the day keeping it in the moment being grateful uh, a, a deep sense of gratitude for simply being alive uh has made a huge difference in my life like no matter what happens i still have the same issues everyone else does you know we have bills to pay i've got uh you know um um uh, work to do i've got uh four growing up children um you know that, that have issues and and uh need you know i've got to chat with them and do things and whatever so yeah that, that doesn't change it's just that the material side of things has just become completely unimportant to me now like I, you know i've gone from owning houses and cars to owning nothing like uh, I've got, i don't have a house i don't have a car i don't have a bike i don't have a, a kayak i used to have you know, this was the funny thing. When I wasn't exercising, I had uh, a garage and I had a mountain bike in it. I had uh, two kayaks in it. I had all these things that I bought as toys that oh, I'm going to do that next week when I've got time. I'll go and have a play. And I never did. 
and all, all, it's crazy, you know. Um, spend all this money on things I never used. Uh, now it's like living each day. So uh, I get up. Um, you know, obviously I have like a, a schedule in regards to training and and uh, goal races and things I want to do for the year, sponsor work, etc. However, you know, I, I really enjoy not having like a whole lot of stuff that owns me. I, that's how I actually felt when I had mortgages and, and bills to pay and, and businesses to run. And, you know, there's always bills every month and, and um, things to do. And, and I thought, man, the, you know, I was working for all these things that were owning me. Um, you know, I, people say, oh, well, but then when you own your own house, you, you've got somewhere to live and you're secure for life. You know, you're still going to pay property taxes on it. You're still going to pay... Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of charges, local council um, taxes or whatever that you have. Um, there's always something to pay. There's always something to fix. There's maintenance and repair issues. You know, do you really own it? And stop. And I would say stop paying those things and see how long you continue to own that house for. You know, um, most of the time the government will take it and sell it within six months. And it's not a criticism of any system that we live in. It's just the reality. We don't really own these things. And then we die. And then we leave it to our kids and they usually sell it and just spend the money anyway. So, so really what, you know, I'm not against this, any of this, uh, uh, you know, I'm not to say I won't buy a house again um, or whatever uh, somewhere else in the world. Um, but it's like, how much time do we spend in our lives focused on maintaining the things that we have to pay for rather than actually living our life, living now with what we have and and making the most of it. I mean, can I run ultras in 10 years time? I don't know, maybe I, maybe I can't. So do I want to now, you know, like um, work at building up like more stuff or do I want to um, live my life creating experiences that I'm going to remember in 10 years time and um, share those experiences with other people, you know? I love that. It's like the, thing, it, the things we own end up owning us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and look, I'm not against uh, owning things. I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, I've got an iPhone that I'm talking to you on, uh, you know, I've got a computer. Uh, if I um, need uh, some kind of item, uh, I, I will go and buy it. That, that's the, you know, if I have a use for it, but to have uh, a house and fill it full of things that I, I can't, I'm hardly ever going to use because the reality of my lifestyle is I travel a lot. Uh, I, I, I'm not in one place too long and I don't really need a lot of stuff. I actually found out you can get by with very little. Um, so what's the point of having a lot of things just because everyone else has things like a, I don't need to. It makes well, no sense to me. I'm always amazed. I go back and forth to Girona and Catalonia quite a bit. Um, I don't have a house over there. I just Airbnb every time I go over. And last time I was over, I think I was there for six weeks. And I'm always amazed that when I go over, all I need to live and do every single thing that I normally do is contained in my suitcase. And then I come yeah. home and I'm like, it's almost more difficult to live because now it's nearly like, I call it the Netflix effect, where I have too much choice. <laughs> It's like, holy yeah. shit, like what pair of jeans am I going to wear? I only had one pair of jeans with me. So I wore them, I washed them, I wore them, I washed them. Now I've got like blue, exactly. black chinos, shorts. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know, and, uh, you know, and with traveling so much, you know, people said, oh, yeah, but what about things like, uh, okay, when you travel, what do you do with like clothes? I say, well, I take a minimum and, 
if I'm in a hotel or, or somewhere that doesn't have a washing machine, when I'm in the shower, I, I wash my clothes in the shower and I hang them up in the, the bathroom and they dry overnight and then my clothes, and I say, yeah, but but wouldn't it be easier to have a washing machine? I said, but why? If, if I don't need it and my life is so simple, then, you know, obviously the apartments that we, we live in when we live in different in places um, have all the facilities that we require, but I don't need everything, you know? Um, and, and you can get by with very little. Uh, I think since I've left New Zealand, uh, I've got one suitcase here. Uh, it's a small storage unit we've got in Spain. Um, and when I say small, I mean like a walk-in and two people would fit inside it. Um, and then I've got a couple of small suitcases over in the UK, which I have to go back and pick up soon. Um, and that's it. That's everything I own in the world. So, what's yeah. your what's your what's your big plans for the year? And like, I'm I'm asking that to probe to kind of get at your thought process of how you figure out what goals you're going to get to. Are goals important, or is it just a process of moving towards that goal that's important to you? Uh, it's, yeah, there's there's like um, I guess uh, main you know I have like main races or goals for the year. Then I have like a, so A races, B races, C races, and then there's like work related uh, events. So it it might be a, a race or an event where I turn up, and and it's more about um, working for the brand that's promoting it. Um, so I don't really race those so much. It's more just to turn up to a shorter distance and and. So like do a lot of social media work instead. So yeah, goals for the year. Uh, we've got a few, a few this year actually, because because of the pandemic the last couple of years. Uh, we've got a, a UTMB race uh, in France in August. Uh, it's a hundred k. I got a hundred miler in in July uh, in the Pyrenees. Um, I've got a race coming up in Madeira soon in April. Uh, 115 k. I run across the island. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the schedule is, is there's quite a few more than that as well and some smaller ones, but, but mainly, like, I'll pick out of those races, I'll have an A race, and that, that will be what everything else builds up towards. So the other races will either be for training purposes or to, um, to do promotional work, and then the A race will be the race that I actually race. I mean, a lot of people say, how do you race like five, six, seven, eight, I don't know, 10 maybe races a year? Because I don't actually race them. I race one or two. Out for a bit of fresh air, for a bit of a jog and the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. It's like I enjoy the thing. It's not like I'm an elite that's that's trying to get on the first in the podium in the world stage. Uh, I, I've got my own niche. I know where I am in the world. I'm not, you know, um, I'm not young. I'm not super fast. But I do well in my age category, and and I say, okay, so I want to podium in this race in my in my age group. So then I say, okay, so what do I need to do? I look at the other guys that have run it over the last three to four years, um, and I say, okay, so this is the time frame. Sort of average that out that I'll be looking at. What do I need to do to get in shape for this? Go through it with my coach, and then we make a plan. So, you know. Um, a lot of it is just like, once again, like I said, finding the, the goal race and then reverse engineering and going back through that. And my race schedule changes, obviously, depending on um, if this is my, my goal race is a, is a bit further in the, you know, um, towards the end of the year, like August or September, then it, it can just be like a steady build uh, process throughout that. And the other races will be mostly for training. So, yeah, um, yeah, goal setting super important. Um, I have some long-term goals too, like over a period of time. So, and it's not 
like distances or paces so much as in places I want to run. Like I want to run in the Himalayas. Um, I want to do some uh, a race there. Um, I want to run um, um, from one side of a country to another. Uh, and when I say that, I don't mean a small country like uh, like as a, a project. Um, so yeah, it's like setting up things around that. Those are like long-term plans and and I usually talk to like sponsors and people and we, you know, you've got to start to put stuff together and then they say, yeah, we can do that. And then you've got to start to, you know, formulate a plan, come up with costings and all that takes a lot of time. It's not just like, you know, I want to do it in three months and it's done. Um, and of course, the pandemic put hold on, on probably a couple of long-term projects uh, due to travel restrictions and, and crossing different uh, borders <laughs> was, was going to become quite tricky. So, yeah, and there's long-term goals that are like on my wish list of things to do. And then there's just the short-term goals that I have throughout the year, which are more specifically race-related. Ian, it's a fascinating insight into what the pathless travels looks like. Thank, thanks for joining me today for the chat on the Roadman Podcast. Oh, for sure. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Roadman, thank you for listening to today's episode of the Roadman Cycling Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm asked all the time how listeners can support the podcast. Well, there's a number of ways you can support the podcast. As I mentioned at the outset, Patreon is an easy way to support it. But if you don't feel like subscribing on Patreon or you can't afford to subscribe on Patreon, a really easy way to support the podcast is simply sharing it with a friend. Take the episode link and sharing it into WhatsApp groups, into club Facebook groups, and just helping to spread the roadman word you can follow me and you can find me over on instagram our handle on instagram it's roadman.cycling or we have a new tiktok account where we're taking extracts from the podcast and posting them over there on roadman cycling podcast is the handle there really for all things roadman cycling the mission control is our main website which is newly launched and that's on roadmancycling.com you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. They make such a huge difference. Or if you're not on Apple, you can leave the review anywhere where you listen to the podcast. Roadmen, have a great day and ride safe.